Speaking of big bash leagues, though, uh, the former coach of the Melbourne Stars, and what a champion cricketer this guy was. Oh, he played for Victoria, played everywhere, played for Australia, did it all. And that is David Huss, and he joins us. G'day, Huss. Evening, Jack. How are you? Yeah, couldn't be better, mate. Thank you for, for joining us. Um, gee, we're on the eve of the, the big bash league, and gee, I, I did my research this week. I thought you were the coach of the Melbourne Stars, but you've stood down from that. But uh, <laughs> are, we, are we still involved with the club at all? Uh, not involved per se, but uh, still watch from afar and still care about all the players and hopefully um, the Stars get back on the horse uh, sooner rather than later and, and get up the table and contest in the finals because still not very close friends and still want them to do well. Haas, it was here. You've, um, you've got a lot to do with Victorian cricket and uh, we have a good chat on the show with a, a good mate of ours, Mike Whitney, and he's struggling up there in New South Wales and they're, they're struggling a bit. Victoria going all right at the moment? Uh, Whitney, he's, he's a beauty, one of the best, one of all-time greats. But, um, yeah, it's uh, Victorian cricket's healthy, healthy-ish. Uh, we're playing very good cricket in the one-day in one day tournament, the Marsh Cup. We're currently top of the table, which is nice, nice place to be. Our Shield cricket's been a little bit inconsistent early, but then we've come good the last three, four games, and uh, yeah, we're sitting third at the table at the moment going into the uh, the new year or the last four games and with lots of confidence. We've got some good young fast bowlers who are learning off uh, Scotty Boland and Peter Siddle. Um, we've got Todd Murphy coming through the, the, the ranks as a spinner, and um, we've got some good young batters coming through too. So the future's looking good, but we've still got to play some good, consistent cricket in order to uh, start winning trophies and start having uh, players play for Australia. Well, it is it is fantastic cr- cricket in Victoria, and lots of talent there. And uh, you, you mentioned the one the one day you know Marsh um, Cup team, and they're doing quite well in that. But the recent years, it's sort of been like a development team. What's what's the change of mindset there? Uh, not a development team per se. That's probably somebody else's word. But we want to win, but we also want to produce Australian players. And um, so, if we project say, a young Campbell Kellaway to play for Australia in, in a few years' time, well, it's up to us to develop him and educate him on how to how to play the game the correct way. And uh, that's playing with the, the likes of Marcus Harris and Peter Hanscom and and getting him and. To, to learn the Victorian style of play in, in order to fast-track his development to, to play cricket for Australia. But we also want to win. We think uh, winning trophies is a byproduct of playing for Australia. And if you look at the New South Wales teams of, the, of many moons ago, they regularly won shield cricket and they uh, regularly had uh, participants in the Australian cricket team. So that's our goal is to, um, to rival New South Wales and become one of the leading states in Australia with uh, representatives. And Huss, obviously your new role, head of uh, male cricket. What's some of your key responsibilities um in uh, progressing Victorian cricket forward? Yeah, it's um, projecting our players and our talent and trying to predict which, which players are going to go far and, and wide and, and, and be ready to play international cricket for Australia, but also um, are prepared enough to play in uh, franchise cricket teams around the world, like a Matt Short, for example, who's probably the shining light who could play three forms of the game for Australia, but also play franchise cricket, um, say, in the 100 competition in England, but also in the IPL and in the Caribbean Premier League as well. So, um, yeah, it's, we're trying to get a really well, well-rounded, well well-balanced squad and, and provide pathways for all cricketers to come through and play either international cricket for Australia in test cricket and one-day cricket or play franchise cricket in the T20 formats. Um, throughout the world in, in other franchise teams. So it's really exciting and it's um, good to see some of the, uh, the most talented players in, in Australia coming through the Victorian pathway. And Huss, are you a little bit sort of or maybe jealous in, in the fact that when you were in that dominating period of your career, averaging 52 in first-class cricket and just dominating all, all forms, that there wasn't uh, room 
a lot of room in the Australia team and a lot of guys like you, but there wasn't that world sort of cricket tour that you could go on. Uh, you see that now. It's, uh, it makes it quite sort of not easier, I suppose, but um, there's more, more opportunity. Yeah, it's a good way to look at it, actually. Um, I was very fortunate that I was playing in an era there were so many good players who were of similar ilk to me, or I probably wasn't quite good enough uh, compared to them. But there was other opportunities um, just coming in, like the IPL just came in as I was sort of at my peak. So I was very fortunate there. But you, you see the opportunities now for, um, say, a, a very good Premier player or a, a very good State player to play all over the world um, and 12 months of the year. It's uh, very exciting and you never want to stop any any young cricketer uh, fulfilling their dreams of playing international cricket, but also their dreams might change from playing international cricket for Australia. They might want to play IPL cricket or like a Tim David, for example, or a Chris Lynn, just want to play short form all around the world. Um, yeah, it's up to us to uh, harness those ambitions and uh, execute them and make sure and allow them to actually achieve their goals and, and have them ready to play in these franchises uh, throughout the world. And Huss, what about um, sort of junior talent? Do you keep an eye on the, the local Premier Leagues and the young players coming through? Yeah, I do. Um, so to my wife's disgust, uh, I watch a lot of Premier Cricket <laughs> on the weekend. I generally watch uh, two games. So um, we've been together for about 22, 23 years and I've given a one summer off. So uh, yeah, I'm not really in the, in the good books there. But watch a lot of Premier Cricket and, and hopefully I don't miss anybody there. But we're all at risk. At Victoria, we rely very heavily on the Premier coaches to provide great feedback and great insight and into all the young kids coming through and, and the established players coming through and just to see if we've missed anybody. And we have to work collaboratively with the Premier with, with the Premier teams in order to get the best results. But also the under-19s and under-17s, uh, I'm currently in Albury at the moment, uh, watching the under-19s um, yeah, uh, test their wares against the, the best young kids throughout throughout the country, So, which is a really exciting time because uh, it takes you back when you, you played at this level and uh, just see how hungry all the young kids are to play and, and to achieve their dreams of playing at the highest level possible. And if we go back to your time at the Stars, I just wanted to touch on uh, the late, great Shane Warren. You played a lot of cricket with Shane there. Um, just some memories of him. The King, um, yeah, I remember when he first signed up, uh, it was, uh, I thought it was going to be a bit of a like, bit, bit chaos and a bit of a circus, really, but you could just tell that he was dedicated and, and he wanted uh, the Stars to succeed, and um, if you know Warnie, he was just a winner, he had to win at everything, um, whether it was uh, cards or um, go-karts or anything, he just had to win, and uh, unfortunately, we, we couldn't quite win the, the trophy under Shane, but remember he uh, struggled the first two games, and then three days out before game number three he was in the nets bowling for hours and I faced him on uh, two days out before a game against the Heat when we travelled and I reckon he bowled to me for about 90 minutes and he was sweating and it was pouring out of him and you just hear the ball fizzing and um, and drifting into, into my pads he was just in really good form and I was thinking wow not sure too many people know how hard this bloke actually works and um, I think he was 41, 42 at the time and mm-hmm. the next game he uh, he dominated against the Brisbane Heat and from then on he, uh, yeah, he took the, the tournament by storm and uh, I think yeah, people forget how hard he actually worked in, in order to be one of the world's best. Could you pick his deliveries at all? Like when he, when he you know, rolled his arm over, could you pick what sort, sort of spin it was having? Yeah, Fortunately, Warney was a pretty easy spinner to pick. Um, he really only had a, a big turning leg spinner. He had a googly, which he didn't bowl very often, um, and more of a slider or a, a zooter sort of thing, which he bowled quite quite regularly. So that were the three go-tos. Um, he didn't really bowl the flipper too much. Um, I think that was pre 
pre our time or like late 90s, early 90s, late 90s time, but it, that took a lot of toll on his shoulder. So it was just generally the three deliveries you, you faced and you, you could read them all pretty well. But one thing, reading him, you got to play him as well. And that's probably why he's one of the world's best because he was so consistent in where he wanted to land the ball at all times. And also with the BBL, I mean, enjoying the internationals that come over as well. You've had a heap go through the stars, uh, all quality. Uh, that must be must have been fun. Yeah, it is. Um, it's probably one of the highlights of um, being being part of the BBL is just seeing some of the quality overseas players that come in and, and play. And, and it's not like you, you, when they come in, you, you sort of learn off them as well and you, you sort of uh, gravitate towards them because they are generally the world's best. Like when you're playing, we had Kevin Peterson and you sort of gravitate towards him and he allowed us um, sort of players who were sort of beneath him just to walk a little bit taller because we knew we had KP at the other end and it's no different to Luke Wright. And, um, and then when you're coaching, we had Joe Clark and Harris Rolfe come through as well. And yeah, it's pretty exciting times to uh, see some of the world's best players uh, play out in Australia over the Christmas period and trying to entertain the, uh, the Melbourne crowds at the MCG. And, 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 and that they did. That they did. Uh, being a coach, though, how much... Um, input do you have um, in, in co- uh, the actual coaching of a big bash team? I mean, you play uh, games, you know, sort of every second or third day. I can't imagine there'd be too much time for training during the season. Um, just just what's, what is coaching like at a big bash level? It's a nightmare, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> you spend a lot of time preparing for the next game. So the way we did it, and it's probably poorly in the end, is you, you, you prepare for the first game and then by um, just prior to the game commencing, you're starting to prepare for the next game, so you're already ahead of the time because, like you say, the, the turnaround's pretty quick and uh, the training is probably less structure that you do. You, you just try and prepare the players as best you can and try and give them as much or as little information as they possibly need in order to play at their best. And the key was just to try and make all the players relaxed as possible and, um, and have game plans prepared enough and ready enough in, in time so the players could play at their best. But there was very little time to uh, sort of get your head around or have a sleep in or anything you're generally meeting with your batting and bowling uh, coaches and trying to devise plans for, for the next game but yeah the turnaround was a nightmare and um, you got very very little sleep but, but still very enjoyable because you do some of the, see some of the best cricket played throughout the world and just for our junior cricketers might be listening in what what's a what's a focus uh, from from a player such as yourself and and, and you're looking at uh, Victorian cricket what's a focus uh, especially for a batter are we uh, we're still focusing on proper cricket shots, uh, even if perhaps the BBL, you need something a little bit different? What an excellent question. Um, so my focus as, as a talent ID person um, is, is let's just purely talk about batters. And uh, we look at the foundations. So you've got to get the foundations correct. So someone with good forward and back foot defence, someone who can find the target as in can score runs on the offsides and leg side. And that pretty much tells me that they're balanced at all times but also if someone who has a little bit of time when they play the ball so therefore they, their feet are moving forward and back uh, reasonably swiftly, swiftly which means they're making pretty good and pretty correct decisions at all times so that's pretty much the basic foundations and then after that uh, if you have those foundations they generally carry you through to be some of the best T20 players in the world because um, T20 cricket or batting especially revolves around those foundations and then you sort of develop into some lofted drives after that and, and playing spin and um, you sort of develop those skills over time but you, you have to get those foundations correct and I base those foundations on defence and good decision making and if you get those right uh, you, you generally make um, a pretty pretty fine player later on. Awesome. So, so do not watch Glenn Maxwell's 200 <laughs> in the World Cup ever. <laughs> 
Yeah, but you've got to understand, Glenn's got really good foundations. Like, his forward mm. defence is rock solid, so is his back foot defence. So he has a foundation he can always go back to. But that 200 runs, I've stayed up stupidly and watched that all night thinking I should be going to bed, but it was just mesmerising. You had to watch it. And I think Ricky Potting said it. Uh, he don't, doesn't think he'll uh, ever see innings like that ever again. So, And I won't either. That was just... Glenn personified. It was just incredible to watch, and but again, he has the foundations and the backing that he has for game to to, um, to succeed at that level, and, and he certainly does. <laughs> you must have been proud as punch when he was doing all this in the, in India, and you know, sort of dominating that series. I mean, as as a you know former you know teammate and coach, mentor, mentor as well. <laughs> well, how proud of you were you? Incredibly proud. Yeah. Um, Every time, all well, I don't really support teams per se. I support players. So if Glenn's playing for the RCB um, and he's scoring runs or taking wickets or taking catches like he can do, I'm, yeah, proud as punch. I want all our players to do well. Marcus Stoinis, Adam Zampa. I know he's left to go to the Renegades, but they're still my friends and I, I still support them and still want them to do well, whether it's uh, for whoever or, or playing for Australia. So, yes, uh, it's it's nice to uh, see good play, good people do very, very well on the cricket scene. Yes, yeah, so just speaking of uh, Glenn, and um, he, you know he's he's the captain of the stars. What what type of captain is he? Is he is he one that gets around the boys? Is he very good uh, tactically? What what sort of captain is he? Uh, instinctive captain. Um, yeah. Like I do a lot of uh, preparation work, so I'm a very structured person. So therefore, I plan A, plan B, plan C, and then plan D, and which bowlers to bowl to, which batters. Uh, and it's all structured, but then I have to. Um, like simplify it all, so or make it really succinct, so it's uh, so Glenn can understand and memorise it and take it out in the field. But I encourage him to use his instincts because he's out in the field, and if he sees something totally different to what I'm seeing off the field, well, he's better versed at, at making the correct decision. So I trust him implicitly to make the best decisions. But instinctive is probably the best word to describe Glenn and his captaincy because uh, if he has an instinct, he, he runs with it and uh, yeah, he had the full backing for me at all times and he was sorely missed as captain last year. Yes, well, how, how will the stars go, do you think? I mean, I'm not, you're not the coach anymore, um, so I don't know if you, if you like him or not, or if you're like an ex-girlfriend or anything, but uh, <laughs> how will they go? Uh, I, think, I think they'll do, do pretty well. Um, still the benchmark of the Perth Scorchers, but I'd be very wary of the stars if they play their best and um, their overseas players uh, turn up and, and do their job. Um, they've got Glad Maxwell and Marcus Thornis uh, still leading the batting, so I, I dare say they're going to be there and thereabouts. And uh, I truly think that the Renegades and Stars can uh, host the final at the MCG this year and uh, hopefully the Stars just pick the Renegades this time. Oh, that'd be hope, awesome. yeah, that would be good, that would be good. Now, just that was touched on it before, how uh, unlucky you were without, uh, you know, playing a lot of games for Australia, but none, no test matches, uh, which you should have, and you're owed. Um, but was the guy that was keeping out of uh, the team, was it your brother? <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I forgot that I hadn't played test cricket, so... Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good, all good. Uh, I'm really happy with, with what I have with cricket, so I probably didn't quite achieve what I wanted to achieve, but um, I just probably wasn't quite good enough to play test cricket at the time, and if Mike kept me out of the team, so be it, but in the end of the day, there were so many good players mm. playing at that time for Australia that I probably didn't warrant a uh, spot in the team, so... Again, very happy to play one day in T20 cricket for Australia and, and play cricket all around the world, so I can't really complain too much. I think there was a, a couple of players like yourself that if they didn't make the Australian like test team, you, you had a period of domination, like 
David Hussey's period of domination was over two years in, in short form, or maybe longer, but it was just yeah. – you were just making runs for fun. I enjoyed – that was my job to make runs. So, yeah. but, <laughs> <laughs> I, I looked at people like Brad Hodge and yeah. uh, Martin Love uh, who played, what, under 10 or under 15 tests for mm. Australia who dominated far more than me. So I feel more – uh, for them, uh, playing only a handful of tests where they were competing in some of the um, all-time greats for Australian cricket. So, again, I'm happy with what I had with uh, cricket. Uh, yeah, really, really content with, with life. And, uh, yeah, I can't really um, take too much. Unfortunately, I didn't uh, achieve what I wanted to achieve. Oh, very good. Well, Dave, uh, we'll leave it there, mate. Uh, it's been great to, great to catch up. Great to talk about uh, the cricket with you. Um, enjoy. Uh, was it Albury, was it, you're in? Um, yes, in Albury, yeah. In Albury, so yeah, enjoy that, mate, and uh, hopefully we can uh, get you on again soon and talk more cricket. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Cheers. Take care, gents. Thanks, Thanks Dave. Dave. <laughs> David Hussey there.